Let me tell you a story uh, as we begin. And you tell me if y'all have had or some of you had experiences like this before. What um, Teresa and I are wanting to be a treat for our son. This is a long time ago, but I bet we all can relate. Uh, When he was about five years old, he had done something good, and so there was a reward for him. We're going to go to the store, and you get to pick out a G.I. Joe. This is fantastic. It was a big family event. So we get in the car, we go to the store, we're looking, and then this whole end cap is full of nothing but G.I. Joes. And so it begins. It says, uh, well, how about this one? Well, it doesn't have a sword. Okay. And he just looks and he's looking around. Well, how about this one? No, he's in tan and not green. Okay, well, how about this one? And so this goes on for a while and we go, okay, just pick one. Just get one and let's go. We've done this thing. And so we start trying to, he goes, okay, this one and walks away. No, I mean, so what, what turned out or what started out to be a treat turns out leaving with a crying child and frustrated parents because we couldn't accomplish the treat the way we wanted to. And it reminded me of the fact that, you know what we were expecting? We did all this, this all wrong. Because we were, I was reminded of the scripture, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I'm an adult, I can think like an adult. We were expecting a child to think like an adult and to rationally pick out one reason, okay, I'll take this one and let's go. I may get another one later on, but now this is good. So what started out as something good and intention in our mind turned out to be somewhat of a disaster. Now, I say all that because our our passage is from Jeremiah 24, verse 15, says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, we, were, we raised our children when the generations just started to begin where children were, well, it was like uh, Teresa's a does some craft shows and has a craft business and creates some signs. And one of the, one of the wooden signs is one of the best sellers that she has says, caution, free range children. <laughs> and you get the idea because we've, we seem to have grown up the last couple of generations in the fact that allowing, allow little Johnny or Susie, and I don't mean to allow your child to discover and explore for themselves, and then they're raised up, they raise up, let them figure out what kind of person they want to be, who they want to be, how they will live, 
what religion they will choose. Let them figure it out for themselves. Let them discover there's a whole world out there. While discovering is good, but discovering without supervision and guidance can be a disaster. And we see it today. We see it, I don't want to get off and offend anybody, but we see it in college campuses, uh, just things run amok. Sorry, okay, that's all I'll say about that. So, so what does this passage actually have to do with that? Well, Joshua has a quote, the quote is, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Over 3,000 years, that's one of, still one of the most famous verses in the Old Testament. As for me and my house, what he's saying is make a decision for your house. And then two, model that decision in your house. There's a popular Christian author several decades ago, Chuck Swindoll. Uh, some of you may have read some of his, his writings and may have seen him from time to time, but he says this. He says, whatever else may be said about the home, let me pause there just for a moment, because this passage doesn't completely isolate parents and children. So this has to do with anyone who has influence over other people. So it's not just parent-child relationship. That's sometimes the easiest to use, and that's why I picked that story. But anyway, Chuck Swindoll says, Whoever else, whatever else may be said about the home, it is the bottom line of life, the anvil upon which attitudes and convictions are hammered out. It's the place where life's bills come due. The single most influential force in our earthly existence. Researchers have discovered that parents with the strongest influence over their children, the children have less tendency to consume alcohol at an early age. And, and I think what happens is that we as parents, or we who have influence over a sphere of, of people, we don't think we are as powerful in that influence as we actually are. There was, um, in fact, well, this isn't new either, this whole idea. Uh, John Wesley was a preacher in the 1700s. And one thing he said about this, it's, it's really interesting, he said, if you let your children be taught by an unchristian teacher, I'm not here offending schools, and so don't don't go, uh, don't tell Pastor Frank. Anyway, so anyway, says um, if you let your children be taught by an unchristian or unbelieving teacher, it's like giving them to the devil, and. And so that's in the 1700s. And the same is true. We, we've come against, we come across the same things today. Our grandson, second grade teacher, 
for a little while was allowing until our daughter had to go and intervene, allowing our grandson to bring home books that were not appropriate for a second grader, nor appropriate to be in our daughter's home. So we have to be very careful about the outside influences and allowing our children to discover. So let them discover, but with some guidance. So when Joshua made that declaration some 3,000 years ago, he was not only talking about his family, but he was talking about every person that was within his family. He was talking about his servants. He was talking about not just his children, wife, grandchildren, but the servants, the workers, everyone in which he had influence over. So influence in our work, wherever we are, if we all want to have some sort of influence. We all want to present an idea, convince people that this is a good idea. We all want to sell a product, convince people that this is a good product to buy. So influence, that word actually means in the flow. Those people who flow in and through your life, you have influence over. And a a definition of influence is actually the capacity to have an effect on the character of the person of which you are in contact with. To get an idea of of how this applies in our world today, you can look at at Chick-fil-A. If you went to the headquarters of Chick-fil-A that's off on a wooded hillside outside of Atlanta, you would see about a four-foot statue of Jesus, and the statue would have Jesus kneeling, washing the feet of a disciple. And then if you walked on further inside, you would see biblical uh, verses crosses, and other things such as that encouraging people. And they have a motto, the mission statement. The mission statement is displayed, in, and I think you can see it, in, and if you look, have you seen it in stores? If you've gone, now, you just go for the chicken, don't we? Okay, so it reads, their mission statement is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Wouldn't that be good if we incorporated that idea into our daily living? There's a research study done out of Stanford University. It involved 14,000 people. The results were that we as individuals have influence over 60% of the people that we come in contact with, not just people that we know, not just in our sort of sphere that we think of, our circle, our friendship circle, our family circle, our life group circle, our work circle, but we have a sphere of influence that involves 60% of the people that we come in contact with. 
that ought to give us some encouragement. You know, I'm a Christian. I have influence. Christianity is a good thing. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus wants to redeem this world. Jesus has redeemed me. Why don't I have some influence over the people that are around me regarding my faith? Why don't I do that? It would be a good thing. And so there are two aspects to this passage. And one of those, of course, is as for me and my house. And I would say it's time to claim your house for Jesus. It's time to step up and say, this house is going to be a Christian home. We are going to worship the Lord. Now, I will say this, that it becomes difficult in coercion. We don't want to coerce. There's no way we can coerce people into believing in Jesus and worshiping the God that we worship. But there are ways that we can influence people. And so then the second piece of what we're talking about in this passage is we will serve the Lord. It's time, and there comes in the ability, it's time for us to demonstrate our faith. Don't assume that people know. Just like the conversation I was talking about earlier, the gentleman talking about tithing, giving his first fruits and how God has blessed him. Don't assume that people know these things because most people don't. Most people that you come in contact with never hear a good word outside of the church they attend. And sometimes they don't hear a good word in the church they attend. So don't assume that, well, they know, they already know. Express your faith, demonstrate it in your sphere of influence. The Old Testament, in this book of Joshua, he assembles the people of Israel. It's a story about where Joshua has taken over from Moses. Moses is not able to, be, to enter into the promised land, but Joshua does. So Joshua has assembled all the people of Israel in terms of the leaders, the assistants, all of the people that he can assemble into one place. And he begins to tell them the history of, of what God has done for them. And he talks about the fact that from Isaac to Esau, he talks about the truth of parting of the Red Sea to God maintaining them in the wilderness and giving them provision to the collapse of the walls of Jericho. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, one thing it, it means, and how can you apply this to your sphere of influence or to your family? Are to the people you're in contact with. Well, one way that we as parents and grandparents have done this is to say, remember, granddaughter or daughter or son, you remember when you were sick and we prayed to God and you got better? That's just a simple way. But that's a way of reminding people that God is number one in your life and that he always will be. Or I remember our family got together one time. We were facing a 
horrible financial situation. And, and I said, I, I just pulled the kids, and they were not that old, but they were young. I said, hey, we're going to get together. We sat down on the floor, and I said, look, we have some tough times, but we're going to pray, and we're going to believe that God is going to see us through. And we prayed, and, and for instance, look at where we all are tonight, all of us. We're in this sanctuary, comfortable, cool, Worshiping God with song and word. Hearing of the wonderful things that Christ has done for us and that God has done for the past of past people of the Old Testament and faith of what God will do for us in the future. It's a wonderful place to be. Sometimes we need to be reminded, I think, of how God has delivered us and given us victory even though we may have had nothing to do with it. So how has God blessed you? I would suggest that you write it down. There's nothing too insignificant, but write it down. In fact, Psalm 145, 4 and 5 says, One generation shall commend your works to another. What's that saying is that we need to tell the people in our lives what God has done and what God will do so that they can remember that and they can pass it on. It's a story of faith to tell and to tell and to tell and to live and to live and to live. You see, when people truly fear God, the people, their family, the people in their sphere of influence will begin to fear God. It just happens that way. When you begin to sing hymns, if that's the people in your family, will begin to learn the words. Have you ever stopped or noticed if you begin to pray, what do people around you typically do? They stop, either out of respect or whatever, but they stop and begin to pray as well. We have more influence in this world than we sometimes think. We have the power of the Holy God within us. Why don't we allow that to come through more often? Allow the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, to move through us in such a way that we have great influence over the people in our lives. I don't have a complete answer to that. All I know is that sometimes I'm lazy. That's just the way it is. Sometimes I'm tired of talking if, if I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to say anything. I'm a quiet person. Well, that's a terrible that is a terrible excuse. And the things that we're missing out on in terms of not only giving a blessing to someone, but receiving a blessing of God because of it can be detrimental. So don't take your Christian faith lightly. The word serve, when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's used six times in different ways in two verses. He specifically means, and he adds, 
in all faithfulness, in every area of life, surrendered to God. That's what he's talking about. As for me and my house, all those I have influence over, we will serve the Lord in faithfulness. There can be no hidden rooms when we are serving God. He also, then he goes on to say, and I read, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And he goes, whether the gods you have served in the past or the gods across the river, the Euphrates, the gods of the Amorites, the Egyptian gods, and he goes through this litany. He says, fine. If you don't want to choose the true God, then choose this day whom you will serve. And then he goes on and says something that is somewhat dramatic for where he is. He is the leader of the people of Israel, but at that moment he is ready to depart relationship with them because he says, you do what you want to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There will come a time for every one of us when that will be a statement in our own vernacular that we will have to make. A time at work, a time with our friends, a time wherever we may be that we will have to choose and we will have to verbalize that choice. All right, y'all go ahead. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate in that. That's unbecoming. That's not uplifting to my wife, men who find yourselves in circles that are telling jokes that are not becoming. It's time for you to stand up and leave that group and say, and maybe say something. That's not uplifting to the woman I love. That's not good for me to be here. And so I'm going to separate myself from that group. The same applies to many different situations. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. I just got off on that. But we don't need to try to coerce people, but we do need to influence people. And Genesis 18, verses 18 and 19, it says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So beginning each day, how do we serve the Lord? Well, it's almost, we've heard Pastor Frankie say several on several occasions, I may not be able to pray for an hour, but I can pray every hour. So our faith, the I'm going to back up just for a second. The beauty of our faith is the fact that we can start right here, right where we are. We don't need to say, but God, I haven't been. But God, I'm not where I ought to be. We're right where we ought to be as far as God is concerned. This is where we are. So this is where God takes us. This is where God loves us. Right where you are right now, you can begin to serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. Right now, 
Don't look back. Look forward. Expect God to keep moving you forward. So how does that happen? Each day, each step, each hour, each moment, we choose to serve the Lord. It's like, how does a couple stay married for 50, 60, 70 years? Any ideas? Usually it's one day at a time. Every day, you wake up and you go, you know, I'm married And I'm going to love my husband or love my wife the best that I know how. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to believe the best in them. I am going to uh, believe that every day. And I'm going to be faithful to them in all that I do and all that I say today. And then we wake up another day and we do it all over again. And before we know it, we've been married for... How long have we been married? (laughs) We've been married for a number of years. Now, it's... (laughs) Now, I'm not saying it's always perfect. Being a Christian is not always great. Sometimes it's hard work. We suffer, but we continue on in the daily activities that bring us closer to God. We serve the Lord with all that we can and all that we are. So serving God is a personal thing. I can't can't serve God and believe in God for you any more than you can believe and serve God for me. It has to be a personal aspect of my living. It also has to be a public choice. The beautiful thing about it, when it's a public choice, it's very persuasive. Because when we begin to state our faith out loud, we begin to have great influence on this world. Wouldn't it be great? We have 60%, and I'll close, sorry. I see that it's a little after eight. We have 60% of the people we come in contact with we can have some sort of influence over. Wouldn't it be great if we left tonight knowing that the things we say, the places we go, the way we live, the actions we take would be for Jesus? Wouldn't it be great if we verbalized what we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? We'd make a difference in this entire world. Pretty soon, all the world would believe in Jesus Christ because they would have been influenced by each one of us. If our musicians would come forward. So when it's a personal decision, a public decision, it becomes a persuasive type of decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. We can have great influence over our children, over our families, over our parents, over our friends, over our life group. Great influence for Jesus. Someone asked, well, can I guarantee that my family will know the Lord? 
And some people say, well, you have no guarantees, but you know, I think that we can by faith. Because if we live our lives every day for Jesus Christ, we will begin to have the right kind of influence that will oftentimes tip the scales and make it easier for our friends, workers, family, and children to turn to Jesus Christ. Let's stand. What my prayer for you tonight would be that when you leave here, you would have internalized some of those songs that we worshiped about victory, about the resurrecting Jesus Christ living in us, breaking the chains that keep us bound, that we might be bold, that we might be powerful, that we might be an influence, that we might be able to state with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving us as we are, but not leaving us as we are. Thank you, Jesus, for taking us to better places each and every day, drawing us closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is no official dismissal, but I invite you to sing at least through at least one time with the worship leaders as they lead us in worship and prayer. The altar's open if you'd like to pray. But may God be with you. May God empower you. May God be an influence through you. In Jesus' name.